There's Bible verse I think about sometimes. Many times. It goes. And I heard the voice of the Lord. Saying, who shall I send? Who shall I send? Go for us. Go for us. Thank you. It's like virus. sophomore slump of a podcast after Jonah. Just kidding. I didn't realize how frustrated I was going to get with this guy. He really grinds my gears for some reason. Maybe it's the murder or the destruction of property or complete lack of self-awareness. That might be the worst part. Anyway, I really hope you liked the topic and got as annoyed as I did with our boy. He is a mess. The point of this short follow-up is to hit on a couple of topics I didn't get a chance to cover in the two main podcasts. This will be short. I'm calling it an addendum, mostly because I saw Dan Carlin call it that. And uh, I thought, why not steal it? So there are more and more layers of learning and what not to do from this character that I wanted to give a couple of them a little bit of love. The Hebrew scriptures are baked with chiasms and wordplay and links and repeating patterns. And until a few years ago, I I missed all of this. And that's not so easy to do when you, well, no, that is easy to do when you read it in a different language on a different continent 2,000 years later than the original audience. You ever think about that when you're reading scripture? I hope you do. Give yourself a break. Have you read anything that old and then think to yourself, man, that doesn't really relate to me or sound like what I'm used to learning? Yeah, you think? Of course not. It's so hard to break out of our frame of reference and see what the original audience saw, but that's a great lifelong challenge, and I hope you start to wrestle with it right now. So let's get into it. There are a couple more motifs or threads that I wanted to cover and then put this topic to bed and move on. The first one being the lone wolf aspect of Samson. I didn't cover that enough, and I think I should have. It can really be missed in this story. When you go back and look at this, you can't unsee it. Samson is alone all the time. And if you think of the way we were designed in God's image and how he wants to partner with us and the divine counsel method that God uses, that's a whole other podcast. The the one another, one anothering that Paul says, carry each other's burdens. I'm sure you know someone who when things got rough for them, they kind of just disappear. They slink back, they pull away. I'm not talking about an introvert that gets nervous in party settings. That's, that's a different personality quirk. I mean the friend that just ghosts you and then finally come up, comes up for air and they're ready to be a person again. They just had to work on some things before reaching back out. This is a recipe for terrible relationships and growth. Big point here. Listen to this. You cannot do this life alone. You can't. Desmond Tutu was quoted as saying, a self-sufficient human being is a subhuman. God made us to need each other, end quote. Heck, go to page two of the Bible. Again, I know I say it all the time. It is not good for man to be alone. That's about all I need to say right there. The world was set up in such a way that our relationship with God, just us and God, that's not enough. So even if you have good intentions and you want to, you know, you don't want to throw up your religion all over somebody or a group, but what I'm saying is, That's not how it's meant to be. It's not just you and God in a vacuum. So if you think about that with your walk 
in your faith as just one-on-one with God or that your religion or faith is a private matter and you don't need to feel like you should discuss it with anyone, I would challenge you to show me where it says that in the scriptures. I don't see it. It's in our DNA. We are built too long for deep relationships and to lay our problems out there in a community that can help. And, you know, I know why you don't do it. I know why I don't do it sometimes. And that's because we have sin in this world. And you're nervous to tell Bobby about your issues, your wandering eye at work, because you don't know what Bobby's going to do with that information. Maybe you've been burned in the past by gossip. or You, you had your trust smashed by a partner or a relative. So your answer is, well, I guess I just won't let anyone in anymore. You know, he always ends in hurt. Dude, I get that 100%. But when you're in a community that has God at the center, let me tell you, it can be amazing. You can get these little pockets, little glimpses of heaven and earth overlapping again. I'm a part of a, a men's Bible study. It's pretty fantastic. And the first part of our you know, weekly meetings together is we go around the circle and we lay out what's going on in your world. You know, we're an open group and we're always actively inviting other people to come sit in. It's pretty funny to watch a new person as we go around and see the level of openness that these men are willing to throw on the table. That vulnerability is so contagious and it just ratchets up the healing process to amazing levels. You would be amazed at how fast walls come down and good, helpful, tactful feedback comes their way. And the grip that this problem has on you, it loses its fangs when you get it out in the air. It's powerful. And vice versa, when you see someone pull back and isolate, fighting the forces and powers of this world on their own, it, it just doesn't work. And that gets me to Samson, the absolute loner. Did you ever catch in here where he went to someone with his problems or his passions or went over an idea with a buddy before acting on it? No, of course not. You know, it might have saved him 20 times. Hey, uh, hey, Bill, yeah, it's Samson. Listen, I was thinking about something. I just want to run it by you first. Listen, these Philistines, they really crossed the line with me this last time. I've had it. So here's what I was thinking. I was thinking of getting some foxes and lighting their tails on fire and just releasing them all over the crops. No, not just the spring crops, no, everything. I mean, what, what advice do you think his friend would have given on the other end of that call? No, God! Exactly. Sometimes we just need to get one out of the chamber before we do something stupid. That's my point with Samson's approach to life. Go back to the feast of his wedding. His entire wedding party and groomsmen seemed to be assigned to him. He wasn't friends with these guys. Look, look at verse 10 and 11. And there Samson held a feast, as was customary for young men. When the people saw him, they chose 30 men to be his companions. End quote. Ouch, man. His friends are assigned to him. Now, to be fair, there is some scholarly debate on who these men were. You know, that might not be the case, but... If that was the only isolated event, I'd give it to you. But as you know, it just piles up. He attacks the lion alone. He gets the honey from the carcass alone. He arrives at the wedding alone, catches the jackals alone, flees to the cave alone, takes the gates off alone, and finally brings down the temple on himself alone. Everything, every thought, every action he, gives, he has, he's going at it as he sees fit. No one is there to feed some truth to this guy. Even his relationships with women don't seem to be based on anything except lust towards them. He's no respect for them. He never confides in them. He's never open with them. Maybe it was because people were terrified of this guy. I mean, I could give you that. But it's like celebrities or athletes when they get to a certain level and surround themselves with yes men. Most of the time, unknowingly, these are their boys, man. People get a glimpse of this lifestyle and they don't want to rock the boat and mess up the fun 
So they go along with the terrible idea this person might have. I know Elvis was famous for this. If you pushed back to him on the drugs or the women or the pills, you're out. Period. That's it. That's not friendship. That's not what it's about. How about this? This is a really cool concept from Genesis 2, as most things in Genesis are. Quick sidebar. If you want to nail and lock down the first 50 pages of the Bible, you would see the entire stories in such a deeper and more profound way. It's amazing. When you can get your cultural bias and the translations out and just put those off to the side when going through it, it's crazy. I feel like I'm barely scratching the surface on my knowledge sometimes. The Bible is amazing. You should read the Bible. Genesis 2, 18, where God says, It is not good for man to be alone. Okay, God, so what are you going to do about it? I will make a helper suitable for him, end quote. Okay, I can feel you're already reading this as, you know, maybe taking it down a certain path. That seems logical, but hold on one second. Again, this wasn't written in English, and this isn't about man versus woman. Give me one second. The two words I want to focus on are helper suitable. I don't want this to turn into a discussion on supremacy of man or the essence of women. I think anyone that's been alive long enough will tell you that men are the one who are lacking most of the times in most categories, and women seem to complete us. There's a great book I read on this topic by Rabbi David Foreman, and he looks at it from the thought of the rib being taken from Adam to make Eve and his desire for completeness again, to be whole again. He needs woman. Anyway, that's a, that's a huge rabbit hole. That's a fun one. Back to the helper suitable. Another great nugget from this book, Make Your Mark, on Samson. I believe he got it from a Torah class, and I, I love this. First is the word helper. Hebrew, that is ezer, ezer. And that means helper, aid, strength. What it does is it carries the idea of being able to do something for someone that they can't do themselves. So when you look in a tool like the Step Bible, you can see that most of the time this word is used for Yahweh when he's doing something for his people. Psalm 121 is a great example if you want to read that. As you know, Yahweh is always doing things for his people that they can't. It's kind of a big theme, obviously. So think about that word in our relationships, in your marriage or your work, your kids, your family. Are you the primary helper or do you always have to lean on someone else? The goal of this word is to be co-owners of it. And I think we all see that would be ideal. Lean on each other and become better, a unit, walking side by side. Samson has none of this. The other word is suitable, helper, suitable. This one's tougher. I can't find it in many English translations. And even when trying to look up the word, the word is connecto. And the reason it's tricky is because it's a fusion of three words, which is very annoying, but very common in Hebrew. The nature of the word means it's like one who stands in front or opposite to. This one isn't as lovely as the last one, but as we talked about previously in this podcast, it's vital to any personal growth. Someone who will face you, will oppose you, will call you out when you need, a.k.a hold you accountable. Everyone needs this, and you know it. Remember, Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. Not you might have trouble, you will have trouble. We are going to struggle. But how are you going to struggle? Are you going to fight against the struggle or struggle with it? Samson seems to be always against everyone. He lived his life exactly the way he wanted to. And I believe that cost him everything, and that's a lesson. You can't do this life alone. All right, I went a little too long on that point, but I really think it's important. Last point. This one's a little bit more fun. It it stretches a little bit. It can stretch your Sunday school brain, but again, meditate on it with this tale. It's the idea, right? This is a fun rabbit hole to conclude on. Maybe it's just fun to me. 
it happens to get to a topic on athletics and strength. The Philistines are, you know, coastal people. They're from the Greek Isles. They migrated slowly over time to this spot. So Greek culture kind of ran through the lives of the Philistines with their customs and rituals and entertainment. Obviously, the Greeks love athletics. It eventually led to the Olympic Games. Many believe that was 776 B.C. But there's some evidence found recently that suggests that, you know, they were having athletic contests earlier than this. That was just the big show, man. They finally culminated. Maybe the 11th century. There's a book you can download, the PDF, called The Olympic Games, How They All Began by uh, Romano, I believe is the author, if you want to read more on that topic. Anyway, remember that part of the Olympic Games was showing off the gods. It was a festival for Zeus. There's a great Bama podcast on this topic and Hellenism in general, but what I'm saying is that it was kind of like a geographic showdown, similar to what it is now. You know, you got your flags flying, but these people thought their gifts came from the gods, just like we do. Where do you think your talents come from? I mean, who gave Samson his power? Who gave Elijah the power to outrun the horse? These people would see athletic ability of their representatives and the gods who gave them these powers and praise both. Same on battlefields, mighty warriors, Achilles. Hello? Here's another one. How about David and Goliath? First Samson 17. By the way, this might be only 50 or 60 years after Samson's death. More Philistines. Remember? They're still wreaking havoc. And the part that got David so mad as the boy was listening to this monster of a man just taunt Yahweh openly in front of the whole army. He can't believe the brazenness of this guy. And he asked the soldier, how, how long are you guys going to listen to this? Look at verse 43. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. You see, that's the thought that goes back to how this time frame viewed the gods and their ambassadors. So what I'm saying is all of this matters because Samson's gift of strength, he's able to do things that no Philistine or any other person has ever been able to do. They've never seen anything like this. This guy's a freak. And everyone is perplexed by this. They don't know how he can do these things. Remember Delilah and why they're going to throw the bag at her, 16 million, because they don't know the source of his power. So how about maybe this? Maybe Samson wasn't jacked out of his mind. Maybe his physique wasn't so blatantly obvious that everyone's first thought was, oh, I can see how this guy can do this. Look at this guy. I might have just really taken the air out of your sails on the Sunday school vision you have of Samson or on the, on the T-shirt. But think about it. The whole goal is to find out where this guy is getting his power from. And that is where Samson really missed the calling. I bet these Philistines were mesmerized by this guy. His power, these, I'm mesmerized by reading it. These people have Greek history. They ponder things and sit on them. These aren't much barbarians. They are philosopher thoughts. So when Samson's first intro to them is just chaos and using his powers against them, they go on the defense. I would too. And they start trying to find ways to stop him. But what if he actually used his gift for good? And they got to see that. They might have asked him the same question, but it might come from a place of admiration. Very common question of this time. Who is your God? Samson, dude, you're amazing. How are you able to do these things? Who gave you these powers? Who's your deity? He he looks powerful, man. You must be very important for him to give you these abilities and to trust you with these superhuman strengths. Wow. What if Samson, instead of destroying everything, got involved with these guys? What if he participated in these events or exercises, knowing full well the weight that these things carried for these people? And then imagine if when they asked him about it, he could say, 
yeah, let me tell you about the one true God, the creator God, and how he interacts with his chosen people. He isn't like the other gods. He wants partners and helpers, not toys. And guess what? We are all invited. This power of mine, this is nothing, dude. You can't imagine the power of this Elohim. It is amazing. Come and see. Can you imagine the life change that would have happened for some of these people? But what do we get? Tragedy. Your head shaking side to side. Bless his soul. Might be said if he was in the South. We get other tales of wasted talents. It's so sad. Remember when Pharaoh asked Moses, I don't know this God of yours. What if instead of trying to fight this God of the Hebrews, what if he leaned in? What if he took the stance of, I don't know this God. I've never heard of Yahweh. Tell me more. Imagine the history change if you'd listened to Moses' first request. That's what I'm talking about here. This is us. Why would, give, why would God give Samson these powers? Because he wanted to do something great through him. That's why the spirit kept poking him in the ribs. Get back on track, big guy. He never sees it, though. And God still takes care of him. He doesn't deserve these powers, and he certainly doesn't deserve God's grace when he gives him the water and saves him. But God gives it to him anyway, because that's the kind of God this is. We don't deserve to have access to the Creator God whenever we need him, but we have it. He provides it. Why should he want to use Tyler to push his kingdom along? I truly don't know, because I screw up all the time. But he keeps at me, and he keeps at you. And he wants us involved in this redemption plan that concludes in an amazing portrait of Eden shown to us in John's revelation. He invites us into the club, and he's been doing so since the, since the beginning of time. All we have to do is work the plan. I am Tyler Parker, and Sunday School is out. Oh, 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 oh,